This is Spin Control, a Fibercraft podcast by a joyful girl. Welcome to Spin Control, episode 33, The Dreaded 13. This, of course, is your host, Shiloh. In this week's episode, I have some knitting, spinning, sewing, a Christmas Conquest 2010 report, a tale about some Mises, a review, and I get all spun up over a little number. To kick this podcast off, let's start with updates. If you noticed, this episode is a little bit late. I was totally under the weather and felt like I had my butt kicked and actually ended up being sick enough to miss three days of work. And that totally never happens to me. I laid around my house in my pajamas for seven days. It was pretty awful, but I'm getting much better. I'm feeling up to recording and should be back on track. So I missed an episode, and because of that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to extend the November-December donation incentive through the end of the month. So the first episode in January, I will announce the drawing winner. Thank you so much to the folks that have gone ahead and donated. I really appreciate it, and I will put that money to good use in support of the show. In addition, I plan on attempting to record from my mom's house. I'm going out of town for the holidays. It's actually a 14-hour drive. I will be in northwestern Pennsylvania with my family for the holidays, which never happens. And my mom, of course, has some very, very crafty adventures planned for us, and I might try to record. Maybe I'll do, like, a partner podcast. I can't guarantee that's going to happen, but we'll see what unfolds as time passes. In addition, I actually have an event update. I'm sure by now... I know you're not living in a hole. You have heard about Camp Kip. Camp Kip is a knitter, spinner, crafter retreat being planned and put together completely by Jackie from Kipping It Real. I will be there. Guaranteed. The event will be held 6 through 9 April in 2011 in Grafton, Illinois at the Pear Marquette Lodge. Looks like it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait to just get away and hang out with crafty folks And that may be the only retreat or fibery event I get to do next year. I guarantee I will be there. And I hope some of you will get the chance to go there too. I will link to the website for the event. Jackie's done a fantastic job. There's tons of information about all the registration details, the event, the location, what some of the plans are. There is also a Camp Kip group over on Ravelry that I will link to where folks are discussing some of the stuff that they want to do and who's going to be there. So if nothing more, take the time to go over and check that stuff out if you are at all interested in participating in the event. I know I'll be there. Jackie will be there. Megan from Stitch It podcast is coming. Oh my goodness, there's like five people, and I will be sure to list them. Five or six, I think, confirmed podcasters are attending. It's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. Well, that's all I've got in events and updates, so I guess it's time to get this podcast started. This week in Spin a Tale, I have a little story about how I hate those Mises to pieces. Yes, it's true. I don't like mice. They're okay. I mean, like as a pet or outside just hanging out, but not 
in my craft room. That's right. I got mice in my craft room. So here's how it went down. I was hanging out, sick, chilling, and we had our first big snow. And Itty Bitty decided she was ready to go out right that second. But the snowsuit that we had that fit her had a hole in the knee. And she didn't want to wear it with a hole in the knee. So I came into the craft room, sat down at my little sewing table, pulled out a needle and thread, and patched up her little knee. And as I'm sitting there, I see something move out of the corner of my eye. No idea what it was. A little gray streak. So that got me curious. What the heck was that, right? And as I'm looking at the corner, I notice that I left the bag of feed corn that I used to make my husband's cornhole bags sitting there. It was sealed up, but I'm sure there were like stray kernels floating around the craft room that I did not pick up after that crafting adventure. So I picked up the bag of feed corn and there was a little tiny hole chewed in the side. It was probably the size of a dime, just enough for a mouse to pull kernels out. I was pissed and freaked. How many mice do I have living in my craft room? This is insane. So I'm sick as a dog, discovered mice in my craft room, get my husband to come in and help me like look for further evidence. And I pretty much ended up tearing the entire closet apart. I pulled everything off every shelf, pulled all of the shoes and clothes and everything and boxes off from the walls and cleaned up every possible trace of mouse. Now, I'm not a huge fan of disease-ridden rodents, so we'll just say that I practice the laws of nature and I believe I am mouse-free now. I believe. I can't guarantee it. So, as I'm tearing apart the room, vacuuming every corner, wiping down every surface with like a Clorox bleach cleaner, my husband is down the hall in our bathroom and he opens the linen closet and what does he see? The mouse. Apparently, this damn thing has been living in my craft room, but he made a mass exodus when I started tearing the room apart and ended up going through the ventilation system or through the wall and getting into our linen closet. So of course I pulled everything out of there, who knows how many times he's been in there, washed every bit of linens that we own, set up a trap, caught him, he's gone. Now I have multiple traps set all around the craft room and in the linen closet. And four days went by and there was no other evidence after that first night, nothing. Not a peep, no stolen bait, nothing like that, nothing. And then here I am Thursday morning, after being sick for what, seven days in a row, getting ready to go back to work for the first time. And I hear this shuffling in the craft room. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, what is that? So I go into the craft room, look down at my empty, clean craft trash can that sits like right next to the sewing table. And there is a little guy, he had fallen in and he was desperately trying to like climb the sides to get out of that trash can. I don't know if like when I woke up, I freaked him out and he was crawling across the sewing table and ended up falling in because it was totally empty and clean. There was nothing in there. I know he didn't go in there on purpose. So I left him there while I got ready for work. Then I took him outside and I released him. Done. Now that has been four days between that event and today. So I re-tore up the craft table to look to see how much evidence or damage there was. And it was like nothing. Nothing at all. No evidence that he'd even been on the craft table. So I think, I think, I hope, I pray that my house is now free 
of mice. I saw that gray streak twice in about two days, and that was the first time I'd had any evidence just this past week that there was anything else living in my craft room. And within like six hours of seeing it the second time, we had a mouse caught. So total number, two mice caught, no other evidence. And when we go on vacation to my mom's house, I am going to set traps all over the house and see what comes up. I'm pretty sure we caught it in time that I do not have an infestation. I really don't have any problems with nature, but I prefer it stay outside. No issues with that. I can't get a cat to keep our house mouse-free, but hopefully we can just, you know, keep from doing silly things like leaving feed corn, you know, sitting on the floor in the corner of the craft room. <laughs> Ugh, I can't believe that. Well, the good news is, though, is that there really was no damage. I cleaned everything up. He, like the mice didn't tear anything up, make nests, or I didn't find any evidence of nesting or anything like that. There was no holes torn in any clothes or any of my fabric, or thankfully I keep all of the yarn in the sealable Rubbermaid bins and all of my fiber as well as in large Rubbermaid tubs. So that stuff was totally rodent-free which makes me extremely happy because I think I would have just died if I lost a bunch of yarn. I mean, I have enough yarn, but I've already sorted through, and I only kept, like, my favorites. Anyway, I believe we are mouse-free. I still hate Mises to pieces, and I hope that when I return from vacation, I do not find evidence of more. And that is all I have in Spin a Tale. And now it's time for spinning my wheels. And it's been a while since last time I recorded, which means I have had lots of time to craft. Although I was sick for, what was it, like six days straight, the only thing I could do while I was knocked off my feet was knit and nap. So I made quite a bit of progress on my Christmas Conquest 2010. It really, really took off. While I was sick, I finished two helmet liners, the deer hat, and started and finished three scarves. So my Christmas Conquest 2010 count is up to five hats, two cowls, four scarves, and then I threw those mittens in there for the girls, and I'm going to count that in my total because I totally feel like it. But anyway, so when it came to the scarves, all I did was I went into the yarn that I had separated out and grabbed those two funky skeins. Actually, I had four funky skeins of this yarn called Voodoo. I don't know. I got sucked in. It looked like it would be furrier, but it wasn't. This yarn is discontinued. I think it's a Patton's yarn. I'm pretty sure it's a Patton's yarn. And what it is, it's like a braided yarn, but scattered across the strand, there are tufts of like faux fur. When I picked it up, I thought it would make a really cute hat like a furry bear hat, you know, for one of my nephews or something. But as it turns out, those tufts of fur were spread apart like 10 inches across the strand. So if I had made a little bear hat, it would have looked like a bear with mange. Yes, I said mange. I totally hated that yarn, but knitted into scarves anyway. So I used two balls per scarf. I just cast on 12 stitches and knit until the two balls were gone. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do with these things? They're horribly ugly. I knit them both in the same day when I was sick. But my daughters absolutely love them. So I know that if they like them, somebody else is going to be happy to have them. 
and maybe it's just my taste interfering with the progress of those poor scarves and that poor yarn. But anyway, I got those two done. That's pretty cool. The helmet liners, I really like those, and my neighbors are going to absolutely love them. That's cool. I'm glad those are done. The first one took me like three weeks to finish. The second one took me three days, because all I was doing was knitting and napping. Now, in addition, I finished the deer hat. The deer hat took me a really, really long time, and as it turns out, I'm pretty sure I kind of suck at color work. <laughs> Ugh, I don't know. I'm going to have to block it out, but I'm just not completely satisfied with the quality at which I knit that product. I really need to figure out what it will take for me to be able to maintain an even tension and not have my carried strands too tight when I'm doing stranded knitting. It was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. I liked doing color work. It was a lot of fun, but the end product was definitely not what I had hoped it would be. It's not awful. I have definitely seen worse. I've probably produced worse, but it's just not, you know, 100%. It's not what I wanted. So now I'm kind of debating whether or not I'm going to cast on for another one. I have the yarn for another one. I'm definitely not stranding both sides. I did the version of the hat that's got a lining, a patterned lining as well. And I think if I do another one, all I'm going to do is like maybe stripe it. And that's all I would do for the lining side is add a couple of stripes to just a plain hat and use that for the liner. It'll definitely save me a lot of grief. That's a lot of color work for someone who totally stinks at it. And while I was sick, that's really all I did was knit. And I totally fell off the wagon and did not get any real progress done on spinning. But I did do a little bit. And one of the things that I got to do was crack into the wisteria box, which was totally awesome. But before I got sick, I only had time to work to spin up just a little bit of one of the samples. And that was some merino from Wooly Bullies. Oh my goodness. That stuff is dreamy. It was so soft and luxurious, sliding through my fingers. It was like buttery almost. It was just fantastic. I absolutely loved it and cannot wait to finish spinning all that stuff up. I'm kind of halfway debating on whether or not I want to like spin it in a continuous strand and then knit the single into like a cowl or something. I think that'd be pretty awesome. I'm not sure exactly how I'll do it, but I think that's what I want to do. And if I'm going to do that, it would take me freaking forever to do that on the spindle. So I might just ball up that little bit that I got done on the spindle and then switch it over to the wheel and knock it out. That'd be pretty awesome. And the only other crafting adventures that I've had is that I made two rice bags. I finished two rice bags for my family. Um, you may be familiar. It, it's basically just a fabric bag filled with rice and sealed and... I made a pretty cover for it, but you heat it up in the microwave for like two minutes and it's a nice little heating pad. My husband absolutely loves them. What he likes to do is warm it up and then put it like at the foot of the bed. So when he's ready to climb into bed, that little spot where his feet goes is nice and warm. So his toes are toasty while he's trying to fall asleep. So I made one of those for him and one for my mother-in-law. And I've got four more in the works for other grandparents. And that's all I got done in sewing. Besides completely reorganizing my entire fabric stash when I had to tear the craft room apart. So that's pretty cool. I think I organized my shelves a lot better so I can actually see everything I've got and I don't have to dig through like two layered stacks of fabric to find what I'm looking for. I can just see the entire stash in all of its glory. That's pretty cool. 
Apparently a lot of the stuff I have going on is pretty cool today. <laughs> I keep saying that. I do have some more crafty stuff in the works. And actually I've got two days to make a t-shirt for my husband and to make like four bar towels for him. I found the coolest little remnant of fabric that's got beer steins and wine glasses and stuff like that all over it. And beer caps and I think like barley and hops. And I'm going to turn those into bar towels. I'm going to do a terry cloth lining on the back and then use that fabric on the front so it's nice and absorbent because he doesn't have any towels in his bar and that drives me nuts. And for what? $1.50 that I paid for the remnant? That'll make a nice little Christmas gift that he has absolutely no expectation of. So he will not even know it's coming. So that's pretty awesome. And I managed to actually hide the fabric from him long enough to get it done and make it a complete surprise. In next week's episode, I should have tons to talk about because me and my mom and my girls are probably going to be crafting like maniacs while I'm there. I know we have plans to do a little field trip to an alpaca farm and my mom wants to relearn how to knit and she has been working on spinning on the spindle. And I know the girls definitely want to learn how to spin on the spindle. So this should prove to be a very crafty holiday time for us. And that, my friends, is all I have in spinning my wheels. This week, I actually have a review. I'm going to put my spin on two separate kinds of Susan Bates circular needles. So as you know, I have been doing a lot of circular knitting lately, a lot of hats and things like that. And when I dug out my stuff, I realized that I had very, very few 16 inch circular needles. And that's really what I wanted to knit most of the stuff on as opposed to using DPNs the whole time for a hat circumference. And I just didn't have the 16 inch needles in my inventory. Primarily for most of my knitting, I use knit picks, options, interchangeable with the nickel plated tips. I like them. I like them a lot. I use them for everything. I haven't though invested in knit picks circular 16 inch needles. I just don't have the money to shell out for a set of those. But when I was doing my little check to see what needles I needed, I ended up needing two different sizes of circular needles in kind of a pinch. I don't have time to wait for things to come in the mail, especially with the holiday season right upon us. So I ran off to Michael's and I picked up two, I think a size eight and a size nine, 16 inch circular needles. They're Susan Bates, the standard Susan Bates aluminum needles that you find at your local box store. And what I'd like to say about those is I don't like them. I don't like them one bit. The primary prop, I mean, they work, they function, but they drive me mad. The join on both sets is awful. So I know it's not just like a defect on the one needle. Both of them have identical joins and it sticks really bad and it catches on the knitting every time you use them. And it just drove me nuts the entire time I used them. I'm in a pinch. I'll replace them later. I'll continue to use them because that's all I have. But if you have the time and you can wait or you have a better source for circular needles, I would pass over the standard Susan Bates circular needles that you would find at a Michaels or a Joann's or any of those box stores. Now, on the other hand, on the flip side, I have no idea when I acquired them, but I have two different sizes of Susan Bates Quicksilver 16 inch circular needles. Now those are a completely different animal. The Quicksilver 
is an aluminum needle, except the needle is treated in some special fancy process that changes the color, makes it a little less slick, but gave me all the qualities of aluminum needle that I like. They are fast. They stick just enough, but not so much, not like a plastic needle would. And I really, really like them. And the joins are completely different from the standard aluminum needle. I cannot believe they're made by the same company. The Quicksilver did not stick at all. And in terms of price point, you can get a Quicksilver needle for four bucks. You can get the standard aluminum for four bucks. It depends on what size you're looking for, whether or not, you know, if you're trying to get a size four versus a size 11 needle US, then you might pay a little bit more. But the Quicksilvers are definitely a product I'd recommend. They aren't extremely expensive, but it was a good quality needle that I was able to use very easily with no issues whatsoever. So there you have it, folks. That is my spin on two different types of Susan Bates circular needles. The one, Susan Bates standard aluminum needles, I give a thumbs down. On the other hand, the Susan Bates Quicksilver circular needles definitely win my approval. This week, I am all spun up about the number 13. I'm not happy, and I'm not pissed. I'm just kind of spun up. This entire week has been a total whirlwind, all because of the number 13. My oldest child turned 13 on Thursday. Oh my gosh, am I really that old? I have a 13-year-old child. That amazes me. Ugh, she's not my little girl anymore. Well, she is, and she always will be. But she's a teenager now. I know that, like, the next five years have the potential for some serious, serious rocky roads. She's a really good kid, but that doesn't mean that I'm looking forward to it anymore. I mean, ugh, she's a teenage girl now. She's super sweet and relatively innocent when you compare her to her counterparts, like the girls that she goes to school with. But that's not going to last forever. Ugh, what is a mother to do? She's 13 now. This is either going to kill me or make me stronger. But I know that life as I know it is over. And unfortunately, like four years from now, I will have another teenager. My itty bitty is just nine. So that is very helpful that I still have my little baby girl who will do whimsical childlike things with me when the teenager is too cool for me. And I'm just looking for my entire world to turn upside down because now I'm the mother of a teenager. And that, my friends is what has me all spun up this week. 13. All right, everybody. It looks like it is that time again. It is time to spin off this episode of Spin Control. I wanted to take a minute to say I'm so sorry for the delayed recording. If I could have helped it, I would have. I'm definitely glad that I am starting to feel a lot better, and hopefully I don't come down with anything else this winter because that was definitely enough for probably two or three people. (laughs) Anyway, I can't wait for the episodes to come. I know that I'm already really enjoying the holiday season. Like today, my daughters and I and my mother-in-law baked a bunch of cookies. We did sugar cookies and peanut butter cookies and chocolate chip and snickerdoodle. And it was a lot of fun. And we're going to share all that love, the cookie love with my neighbors and spread some cheer around the neighborhood. And I'm just really looking forward to all of my holiday adventures. And I can't wait to share those with you. 
As we sign off this episode, I want to remind everybody that for everyone who donates $1 to the podcast during the months of November and December, we'll be entered in to win a Moss Box as sponsored by the wonderful folks over there at Spindies. There are links to the beautiful Moss Fiber Artist Paint Box over there on the website. And all you have to do is visit the show notes page at spincontrolpodcast.com and click on the donate tab and that's where you'll find photos and a full description of this month's incentive. And as I said before, I will announce the winner of that drawing during the first week of January. Until then, thank you all so very much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope you all have the best of holiday seasons, whatever holidays you celebrate. I know that I will enjoy seeing my family and look forward to sharing everything that happens with you. This week's song is called Minnesota Winter by Dancing Lights. And as always, you can check the show notes and get complete details on this episode at spincontrolpodcast.com. You can email me at ajoyfulgirlknits at gmail.com, catch me on Ravelry as a joyful girl, or follow me on Twitter as a joyful girl maid. Thanks again, guys. I will talk to you soon. Wicked as a Minnesota winter, cold as the age of ice, I'm bruised with swollen skies when I look into your eyes, when I look into your eyes, flapjacks and coffee Day breaks through the pines Brawn and grit will triumph For farmhouse church and barn For farmhouse church and barn Drag their frozen bodies Lay them on the shore Till the rushing waters find them They will seek the sun no more They will seek the sun no more You're as wicked as a Minnesota winter As cold as the age of ice I'm bruised as swollen skies When I look into your eyes When I look into your eyes Blistered by the buckshaw Crushed by shifting logs Broken by the silence Oh how the mighty fall Oh how the mighty fall You're as wicked as a Minnesota winter As cold as the age of ice I'm bruised to swollen skies When I into your eyes when I look into your eyes now we lay beneath 
seasons churning us to dust Spring will bring redemption As we flower in the sun As we flower in the sun I'm a hollow reed on the Mississippi I'm the wind on Trader's Bay I'm sand beneath the water I'm poplar birch and fir I'm poplar birch and fir I'm poplar birch and fir 